Hi everyone, welcome back to the Stay Hungry podcast. Today, we're gonna be talking about why marketing is nothing without sales. Rob, I told you there was intro music. Oh, I love that. I've, that that's amazing. <laughs> I'm going to change mine now. <laughs> You're in the mood. You're in the mood. So um, for the uninitiated, just let us know who you are, please. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, my name is Rob Austin uh, and I run a Lithwell. I run a sales consulting business. So we obviously work very well with yourself, Joel. We've been the other seat of marketing and how important having a, a winning sales strategy and winning sales process is. So. I work with clients to instill sort of winning sales strategies to get them staying hungry and really growing their business in the right way and selling in that in, in kind of that right way, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense. So I guess um, the, re- the reason we've invited you on the podcast is I know that you sell from a place of value um, and I know that you also don't like the stereotype that the sales industry has. Uh, much like I don't like the stereotype that some of the marketing industry has. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I just come off recording my own podcast, actually, and uh, had the same conversation. To be honest, though, there are bad examples within any industry, isn't there, really? There, there's a bad example of a marketer, a bad example of a salesperson. But for some reason, sales has this stigma. that it, it, it There's not much that gets redeemed about it. It has a, it has a hat on that's viewed as quite negative where marketing, I, I personally don't feel it has such a, a stigma to get around from. I think a lot of business owners see a lot more importance in having money throw, well, the right kind of business anyway, has the, the, the you know money thrown into marketing, which is great. But we've had this conversation before, and I've said to you, I believe marketing is obviously vital along with sales. However, I think a lot of people rely on it. And so uh, marketing is more sort of passive. You don't really have as much control over it um, of what kind of comes in, but we're having a sales strategy working with the marketing puts the business owner in full control of how they generate and work with the right kind of business. So there's a lot more control with a sales strategy, what actions needs to be done, what activities needs to be sort of followed to be consistent in your targets and what you need to do. And marketing sort of throw as much out there and, and hoping it sort of comes back, which it will. Of course it will. Of course it will. Uh, that's never to downplay marketing. It's Ooh, just did... how we are. <laughs> everyone everyone how we're able just to said. <laughs> <laughs> how we're able to sort of take that winning marketing strategy and work with it with a winning sales strategy at the same time. But I just know from experience, a lot of business owners aren't focusing on a sales strategy. Um, yeah. I think you've kind of said that as well. So you, you just hit me with... Uh not on purpose either but you just hit me with the stereotype that that marketers get hammered with is the throw as much throw as much out there and see what sticks kind of thing um and i literally say in every onboarding meeting with a client this is not about throwing as much shit at the wall and seeing what sticks and they always look at me like what do you mean and um funnily enough we ran a master class yesterday um and i've actually ran part of this master class at a group that you attend and we were talking about laser targeting and about how you have to really, really, really know who you intend to sell to at the end. And uh, and that it doesn't matter that that's going to exclude loads of people because ultimately the world's abundant. There's billions of us. You know, you're going to find your niche. And 
a lot of businesses choose not to work with us because that's our approach. Why do you think that is then, Because uh, I again, you're, you're absolutely right. And um, what I meant was with regards to that's the mindset behind somebody's marketing strategy. It's not necessarily what a good marketing agency does, which is why I, I love sort of working with you and your ethos on it, because, you know, I admit fully aware that I'm not a marketer. I do not wear a marketing hat. I am not a marketing expert. I'm a sales expert and I'm good at that, if that kind of makes sense, where marketing is important. But I think a lot of business owners will throw money out there hoping it sticks. And, and, and some of it will. Some of it Yeah, will. yeah. And I think um, marketing can be that thing that people do when they want to procrastinate. So, oh, I want to go and play play with shiny stuff for, for a couple of hours. Um, and sales is the thing they do when they're desperate. And actually, you know, within your business, you've got administration, operations, marketing and sales. And yet, marketing and sales are kind of like the uh the lesser known cousins and um i just find that really interesting because i i know your approach with sales i know our approach with marketing and and to answer your original question i think business owners both with sales and marketing are terrified of rejection and that fear of rejection stops them from niching down stops them from being focused stops them from applying the right amount of time where you'd never get you never get rejected by doing your accounting you know you never get or doing your operations making yourself look busy there's no room for rejection and uh i find that really interesting with the mindset switch that you need to have that when you're on a sales call getting a no is still a result Absolutely. And again, I, I say this quite often, and I, and I took this from uh, an FBI negotiating course that I've, I've gone through too, way too many calls. But anyway, as, you know, as, a, as any salesperson should do, so you never stop learning. You know, to be honest, in business, that applies. But at the end of the day, the business owner is responsible for sales. So my opinion of a business owner is the top salesperson of the business. They have to be to be able to pass that down to, to the rest of the business. Um, but going back to the sort of the FBI sales negotiating, it's basically how can you sell anything without a no? You know, if 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 you just get yeses all the time, you're not really selling. You're sort of just supplying. But with a no, you you've got an opportunity to convince, not necessarily convince or manipulate, but to do your duty and selling in the right way to help that business owner or whoever you're talking to make the right decision based on the right information you're able to portray. And I think a lot of people stumble on that. Um, and don't really have a clear understanding. They're not really closed on themselves on their business model or their ideas, especially within the sales world. I think you 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 alluded to earlier the cousins between sales and marketing. There isn't enough communication between the two. But why? And, and I'm and I'm really still working on that myself. But I think a big part of it is that <sighs> there's such a distance. There's no clear communication, and they're not necessarily tuned into the key ethos of the why of the business that 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 why concept of the the sales story or the sales business strategy and and there's a lot of disconnect between that and i think it, it's confusing and and it can really be detrimental to to any business um i'm sure you agree um joe on that yeah no it's something you mentioned there about a lot of business owners you meet aren't closed on themselves how true is that statement it's like just talk 
talk me through what you mean. So I, I've been there. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm still, I still put myself on the trenches. I still do sales calls. I'm not a sales trainer that, that just has learned a book and just spouts out that information. Here's chapter one, do this and you'll get all the sales. It's not about that. There's a lot of sort of um, untangible things. And I've learned this a lot recently, especially when you're in business and you've got personal stuff going on in the background or whatever, the, whatever it might be. It's not easy, especially in business, especially in sales. And you've got to be motivated. You've got to be at that top. And it's not it's not easy. So what I'm trying to say is it is easy, though, if you've got a process you're following, a strategy that you're following and you're closed on the concept yourself where you're not caught up on other issues because it's it's just effortless. It's it's easy to do. It's effortless. So that can only be done through your mindset that you've closed on the concept, you fully understand your clients, you fully understand your potential clients, and you fully understand what value you bring to the marketplace, because that's effortless. You are in your higher vibration at that point. But if you're able to, if you get brought down into the sort of the lower vibrations, I just feel that they might not have a clear way of projecting that. And that can sort of block a lot of people. I've been there when I've not fully understood what I'm doing or I'm selling and I'll get bogged down by it. So you're not closed on the whole concept yourself. Does that, does that make sense? Oh, hugely. Um, it's, it's not, it's untangible though. And it's, and, and it takes time. It takes time for those neurons to sort of click, but that's practice. It's practice. It's practice and practice and more practice. You never stop. Or what I found within, this is a little bit off topic, but what I found with a lot of the clients that I work with and, sales teams I work with they're not practicing they're not they're not doing the role plays they're not doing the the sort of um new sales skills or whatever it might be they're, they're just they've got business coming in bills are being paid and they're quite happy and that's fine but that's absolutely fine not necessarily the type of client I want to work with and I think it defeats the point of your podcast of staying hungry they're just kind of bumbling along and that and that's there's no shame in that. And, However, and I think when yeah. a business gets to that sort of place, you've got kind of two two mindsets. Oh, we've done what we intended to do, and we're going to try and maintain it, which is actually really hard. It's really hard to maintain something at, at a steady level. It's easier to grow, which is a, a difficult thing for people to understand. And then you've got the other type of business owner that wants to make the marginal gains. So they're like, okay, we currently close 5% of all of our sales calls. How do we close 5.1% of all of our sales calls? Yeah, yeah. And I think it came from another um, story that I was, uh, I think it was Jordan Belfort. He he always asked the group, a big, massive room, they always say, come on, reach high. And they always reach up. And he says, go on, reach higher. And they can always go that little bit higher. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, it's just it's just natural human instinct to put your hand up. No, come on, you can do better than that. And you can, and you always can. But our natural, without even thinking about it, and then you can go higher. And I think that's the kind of business that I personally enjoy working alongside. And I'm sure you're exactly the same uh, job. But yeah, and they are out there. They are out there. There are businesses, but sometimes they just don't quite know how. And that's scary. And that is scary. And I get that. When you don't know something, you try and do anything else. You try and do, like you said, the accounting here or do that because it's it's comfortable. It's easy. However, how can we challenge your getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that's kind of what I do in my 
consultancy is and it sounds a little bit strict it sounds a little bit ominous but it's not it's just about enjoying what you do and and just unlocking those neurons again to sort of it's not that it's not that hard and when you break it down on a sales strategy from for example i've always got mine next to me here and i've got five channels this is what i help my clients to do is to sort of break down what would networking look like how many network meetings do i need to attend and conversations do i need to have to turn it into this amount per month and it when you break it down like that it's like oh it's not actually that bad but we haven't got the numbers broken down scary and i get that but so it's important to know your numbers and sales obviously something you mentioned again you mentioned jordan belfort so another one of uh his things if you've seen wolf of wall street red wolf of wall street or watched any of his seminars he'll say sell me this pen that that came from jordan belfort and uh i know in the sales world that that's a bit of a a shitty it thing is, to do it, to people but it is it's not nice on the spot no. i just wanted to touch on a meme i've seen where it was a clip from um one of his seminars and, and he went up to a guy and said sell me this pen and uh, the guy took the pen off him and then uh, said, Jordan, can I have your autograph? And he said, I haven't got a pen. And he said, oh, <laughs> like, that's, that's the best thing I've ever seen in terms of um, realizing someone's pain or problem and, and immediately having the solution where everyone else goes, everyone else goes, oh, it's a biro. Uh, you can refill the ink. It's got a nice clickable top. You can put a lid on it. It's silver engraved. Oh, yeah. And by the time they're finished, everyone's fallen asleep. Yeah, exactly. And and that is the the art of a typical sort of sales plan is, is dump as many. And this goes back to my marketing analogy earlier. The bad example is just throwing as many features and benefits and hoping it sticks. And if you call 100 people a day, yes, it will work. It will. It has to. If you call a thousand people a day, maybe one of those will. But that's the difference between working smart on the sales side and working too much. Because if you're more laser focused, like you said, I, I remember a client the other day said to me, no, it wasn't a client. Actually, it was onboarding a potential new client. Um, his conversion rate was quite good. It was about eight out of 10. And he said, um, Rob, I don't, I don't what, why would I need to work with someone like you? I've got enough business coming in. I'm, I'm closing eight out of 10 people. And I said, why are we just talking to 10 people? And he said, oh, you know, we've got the capacity to take on 100. Well, well yeah, so you, we're not talking to enough people. That's the difference is about having that outside perspective of someone like yourself and myself to sort of help them put it into more of a clearer picture because it is scary. And it's, it's and especially in, looking at the tangibles. So if he's judging himself based on an 80% conversion rate, like you say, that's great if you're speaking to a thousand people a month. It's rubbish if you're only speaking to two. So it it's would you rather have a 50% conversion rate and talk to 500 people a month or a 100% conversion rate and talk to 10 people a month? And it's that. Um, and that's kind of where marketing and sales meet. So from our side, our side being marketing, um, Features and benefits should have been explained before the sales call or before the sales email or before the sales text. However, they shouldn't have been so over-explained that you might have told the audience something that will put them off, as in, I don't need that or I don't understand that. So it's, it's a, there's a real nuance, a bit like how you're talking about you don't really know where you're at until you get on the calls and do it for yourself. 
is how much do I need to give away to make this an attractive proposition and how much is too much? Yeah, and I, I've had situations where I've had a sales campaign working alongside a marketing campaign and all it took was that person to actually speak to a prospect because people make their mind up very quickly, don't they? And you might have done a marketing piece and say, this is an amazing pen, blah, 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 I don't need that. But as soon as I was speaking to someone about it, they might have told me something um, something else about it. And that's the difference between how sales should be working with marketing alongside cup the phone. And I remember you telling me, a story, I don't, I'm sure you told this before, but that you, you've spoken to, to clients, you've provided them leads, but they're not doing anything with them. And that's the same as the sales. And again, why? This goes back to not having that clear plan or that being closed on your own offer, that, that untangible mindset goes back to it why would you be rejected if you're that clear on your offer what it does to that person that you've identified why would you pick up the phone yeah it's really interesting so that that example actually uh spoke to the director of that business and said why don't you just call them up and ask them powerful questions and because he had a fear of rejection so he didn't want to call them up and say are you ready to buy um i said well, why don't you call them up ask some powerful questions He's like like what and i was like okay First question, what made you sign up to this campaign? <laughs> so immediately, oh, well, actually, we've got a problem with this in our business, and I'm just not sure how to solve it. So I was hoping by downloading your free PDF, I'd get some ideas. All right, how did you get on with the PDF? And immediately you open up the conversation. The person on the other end is relaxed. They start to realize that you're asking them questions because you're genuinely interested in them. Yeah. And I think it comes down as well. There are a lot of um, business owners, that it, it, they employ salespeople because they might not be the best salesperson in the world, which, which is fair enough, even though they should be because they are setting an example. Or they, I get the other side of the spectrum where business owners are so protective that they can't let it go. And if they did let it go, what would happen to the revenue? Because everything was dealt with them. There's no, there's no translation between that business owner passing the mantle on and i just come off a podcast as well just now where uh, the hr company was talking to a company of a salesperson who's been there for like 20 30 years responsible for most of the sales but he's retiring now they're like oh my god what do i do how can i now <laughs> translate what he was doing to someone else it's not that easy and like you said it can come down to powerful questions but there's something about delivery there's something about what I'm trying to get at is sales is an art form. It is an art. It's it's about delivery. It's about understanding. It's about compassionate. And I've gone through personal stuff this year that's made me even calmer. It's made me a lot more sort of understanding. Um, and this can help in your marriage. This can help in your personal relationships. This can help in your friendship relationships if you just take the time and really try and build that rapport and understanding where a lot of salespeople are quick, quick, get in, get in. Throw, throw stuff it it doesn't work it puts people off um so that's why i help my clients to do sort of build that really exciting discovery session with a potential client and it's more of a to the fact conversation it's more of a natural key questions at certain points to really get to the bottom of is this client going to be a good fit for me it's not just about please buy from me mr prospect i need to pay my bills it's about i want to understand a little bit if i want to work with you too it's not just so it's a two-way sort of qualification score conversation but delivered in a natural way and that's why i'm trying to change the way sales is perceived across the world when it's done 
properly. And that could be said about any industry. Yeah. Like marketing. It's, like, it's really funny like you mentioned else. how it can um, help your marriage. So I've told a story on the podcast before, but, but I think it's relevant here. Um, I've done this to my wife a few times, and it's how I know she doesn't listen to the podcast because I've told this story a couple of times. But uh, uh, get home, I really fancy a takeaway. So the first question I ask when we're in conversation, so what would I need to do for us to have a takeaway tonight? And completely throws it because you've, uh, you've taken no off the table. And then normally she'll say something like, well, it'd be really helpful if you could empty the dishwasher and walk the dog. All right, cool. Well, I can do that. And then the next question I ask is, do you want Indian or Chinese? Now, there's loads of other types of takeaway, but I want Indian or Chinese. So I, she's still in choice, but I've narrowed, narrowed the, the goalposts as such. I've niched down. And uh, uh, so she feels like she chose, got what she wanted, because I did everything she needed, solved her problems, and everybody ended up, ended up with a good outcome. And I, and I kind of think that with, if you can do that naturally in a business conversation, so you're not being manipulative, but you are giving people uh, options that will genuinely get them to where they want to be, that's the best sales conversation. And again, it comes back, Joel, though, to that untangible being closed on the offer yourself. It comes down to you really understanding their needs and problems and actually bothering to have the passion to find out in the first place anyway. Um, that will come down from your marketing strategy, niching down, understanding the target market. There's so many. It sounds ridiculously overcomplicated, but it's really not. And it, it, I, I know I went for a long stage when I really got into proper sales and I started my own consulting business. I went for a bad problem with my wife because she knew I was trying to sell to her because I was asking specific questions. Are you doing that sales techniques again? And that's what your prospects are like. When you don't deliver it in the right way, it's exactly the same. So it's about having that, just take a step back, relax with it, and really asking those questions. But it has to come from that internal vibration of actually genuinely delivering it in, a, in, in the polite way, if that kind of makes sense, in a, in a way of you actually care about this. Because you, you, tone of voice is the biggest thing. And I know I've done work with telemarketing teams where I've had people I've listened to, the first two seconds, nowhere will I buy from this person. Yeah. Got you. So it's just about having that time to deliver it, and it can only come from a lot of work internally as well. So, so it's more than just an amazing script. Follow these words, and you'll get the sale. No, there's a lot more to it. So it's a dance, it's an art form, if that makes sense. Uh, and, and yeah, and a coating of authenticity. Really, it's that. And I think that's a really important point that a lot of our listeners say they have this issue is when they get deep into working with a business, they feel like they care more than the person on the other side does. And I always say to them, well, from a marketing and a sales perspective, that's a great thing because you can really dial in on what it is they want because very rarely is the answer, they just want more sales. It's, it, it's always more nuanced than that. It'll be... They want to send their children to private school or they want to retire at 50 or they've dreamed of having a second home by the seaside. And when you really get the relationship to the point where you understand what the goal is, everything becomes a lot easier. It, again, and we are selfish people, Joe, at the end of the day is rich, really, if you can tune into what's in it for me, 
in sales. It's a game changer. That's all you've got to do. Mm -hmm. What's in it for me? And that will be at the end of the day, if you think back to anything you bought recently, you didn't just like you said, you know, there's a lot more reasons why you bought that product, whatever it might have been. Think back to that to yourself and think of that in, in, in the form of your target market as well. What's in it for me? And that's how that's how people are wired. And if you can get to that, like you said, those sort of private school, whatever it is, that's what's in it for me. And that's what they want. And they see your product as a potential bridge or a key to, to that dream zone. But it's up to the person delivering that to be able to sort of communicate that of value. And that can, that takes a lot of work. But I think it, some, some people just wing it too much. And that's why it might work the wrong types of clients or someone wasn't communicating six months later. You told me that and because that customer's tuned into that. Yeah, so yeah. That's and, the big difference between. And you're a bridge, a key or an exa- or an accelerant. You're, you, you're one of those three things. And like in, in marketing terms, it's so important that people understand that when they talk to me, you know, on a simple level, someone might inquire with us and say, uh, well, I want to do my Facebook ads myself. And I'd be like, well, do you know how to? And they're like, yeah, roughly. Yeah, I've watched a few YouTube videos. I'm like, okay, cool. How long does it normally take you to build a campaign? And they're like, well, a couple of weeks. I'm like, well, it takes it takes our team two hours. So you can do it your way, absolutely fine. If you'd like to do it quicker and more effectively, this is what happens. Then we get the other kind of person who's like, I see Facebook ads over there. I never, ever want to go there, but I know I need them. Okay, and then you get the other person who's like, we've been doing Facebook ads for 20 years, not 20 years, but probably 10. Um, and we just haven't unlocked it. We just It's just not doing what it needs to do for us. And if I or our team don't identify that in the sales process, what it, what it actually is, we, even though we're selling the same thing, we might parcel it up the wrong way. And I think that's, a fascinating insight into how business can go wrong. Yeah, I, I get people all the time saying, I work with a, fin- a big financial company um, and most of the clients that we speak to have got clients who don't pay their invoices on time. And I, I'm just like, that must be from the onboarding process of, of taking that client in the first place. Get them excited. Generally, some you want to get clients who can't wait to pay you. You know, they can't wait to to pass money because they know you are of value. You don't annoy that person and you never want to break that relationship. So it is, it, it's, it's, it's really interesting, but getting that right at the very beginning is paramount to your to the business going forward and keeping that type of client for longer than a month or six months or a year um, and then being excited to work. Because the last thing you want, Joe, and I bet you've had this, you've got your phone ringing as a client, oh, I'll speak to Chris today. You don't want to, life's too short for that. We want to be working with the right kind of clients and, I don't want to be looking at my phone and saying, oh, God, Joel, Joel Stone's phoning me. <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, it's, it, we don't want that, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, otherwise, just go and get a job. It's as simple as that. If, if, if the job you've created for yourself, the business you've created for yourself, fills you with dread every time the phone rings, stop doing it. It's... Yeah. So uh, I've got a couple more questions for you. These are a bit more, bit more left field, but uh, always think it rounds rounds off the podcast well. What's, what's the best mistake you've ever made? Oh, um, 
I, did, I kind of alluded to earlier, so I won't go into too much detail, but personal situations aside, I went for a very rocky uh, time in, in my marriage about a year ago, and it gave me a very big rude awakening, not only in personal, but in business as well, because were these things rubbing off onto my clients, you know, my attitude or perhaps my uh, approach to certain situations and uh, was I truly listening? Was I truly delivering value? And again, it's all related from our relationships to, to business. It's all related. So I think that, and I've even thanked my wife recently about thank you for giving me that shake up because it it's made me a lot more calmer, a lot more relaxed. I hope this is answering your question, but it, it, it's kind of, it gave me a big rude awakening. And um, sometimes we all need them. We do because we're, we're all gliding along. We're all drifting through life and business and things and, and now I put a lot more importance on things and I really am even more teaching my clients the right way of selling by being a lot more calmer, relaxed and understanding and letting go and really getting to the bottom of how we can help that potential person without pushing them away and, and without them making the wrong decision by not working with that person. Because that's the last thing we want. If you've got they've got a problem that you know you can help them with, but we don't close them. And they go off and keep making that mistake for six more months. And you, well, they could have been working with you for six months. That's shame on you as a, as a salesperson, as a, as a negotiator, as a communicator. So yeah, big rude awakening has helped me. Um, I think that answers your question. No, I love that. I love <laughs> that because um, the reason we ask that question is usually people learn a lot more from their mistakes than their successes. But interestingly, in a sale, in a sales sense, what, a lot of purchases are about is paying so that you don't have to learn in the first place. Um, and so it's, it's really interesting that you said that, that sometimes people pay us to do their marketing so that they don't have to make the mistakes. Yeah, that, yeah, very true. And it, 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 it to be honest, I think by becoming a more mellow person is, is stop making me making knee jerk reactions to things and seeing a bigger picture and, and what I'm trying to get at with so relating to a client relationship and, you, and your wife, a partner, whatever they are, is that trust. It's building trust and um, safety in your brand, in your sales approach, in the person. Is this really the guy who's going to get me to where he says he's going to get me? And it's about having that untangible energy and portraying that. And again, if you're not, it goes very back to what we're trying to say about three or four times now. If you're not close on that concept yourself, they can smell it and they can hear it. Yeah, and I think and I don't blame them. And no, it's not no. Their fault. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, the biggest giveaway on any sales call, for, for, speaking from my personal perspective, is when somebody starts um, promising definites. So when they're like, "Look, every client that works with us sees a hundred percent return," uh, and, I, and I, I'm like, "Well, you're going to have to prove that because." That's a very significant thing to say. Or so when people start really, really churning off these definites, my alarm bells start going because I know that my best business relationships have vulnerability in them. That that our best clients can ring me up and say, "Look, something here isn't going quite to plan. Is there anything you can do to help?" Or or part of the service isn't what I expected it to be. Um. What is there anything we can do here? And it's like, well, sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is, look, I, I don't think I've missold you. I just think you've misinterpreted the information. 
But sometimes the answer is, well, yeah, of course there is, because we'll just shift this here, we'll do this, we'll rejig this. And that, that vulnerability and taking away, I think, I think guarantees are important, but definites are quite dangerous. That's a really interesting point. Yeah, yeah. And something, I mean, I, I'm, I'm mentoring a few salespeople at the moment, and um, they're not necessarily hitting target as much as they'd like. Um, and I think the company has a view on, oh, if they do more calls, they'll get more leads. And no, in my opinion, no, not at all. What I'm trying to get at is it's an untangible thing. It's inspiration. Well, let's get to the bottom of this. Um, and that, and again, it goes, goes back to how close you are on the offer itself. And if you don't, and if, if it isn't going to work, you have to believe in what you're selling. And I'm going off a bit of a tandem here, but you have to believe in it. Um, and if you don't go and sell something, it's not that easy, we, you know, it's, it takes time. You're gonna you're gonna go through business owners, industries, whatever it might be, to get to that point. It's not gonna happen overnight like that. But you you know deep down in your gut when you like what you're doing, don't you? So um... yeah, and I think I I completely appreciate that cold calling is scary for most people because um, unless there's an element of qualification or research behind those cold calls, you just don't know what you're gonna get on the other side. But warm calls, particularly for business owners, when you're speaking to those people, you should be excited. I love that. And, and just think about all the work it's taken to get to that point. But they take it for granted. A lot of it's taken for granted. And I've had a lot of clients who are coming on board or whatever it might be, and they say, oh, Rob, I don't need you because I get loads of referrals. Good for you. But how, how long can that last for? When, was, when are we going to get another ridiculous two-year pandemic whatever it's been again you know it's that mindset that that sort of it's your it's your own downfall sometimes as well yeah and my final question what's yep, your favorite what's your favorite film and why oh uh, you I, I i kind of thought this question was coming you know i love star wars just as much as you do <laughs> uh, i think i don't know i, I think um <laughs> wolf of wall street is definitely up there and obviously being a very sales film but it's also an excellent film i just absolutely love watched it multiple multiple times but i think the inspiration of of star wars is is, is got to be up there and of course i'm talking about the originals not the new ones um so that, that's let's say empire strikes back i think that's an excellent example of cinema you don't even have to be a star wars fan to actually appreciate how great a film it is and the lessons are in that like the lessons between being patient i think i like that with with luke and being patient in in with the fourth, but he doesn't. He, he reacts on his emotions, and that happens a lot within the business world as well. And going back to relationships as well. So that is a lot of key points in that movie. So um, I'm going to have to say that. That would be my choice. I've got a, a sales and marketing point from Empire Strikes Back. You'll like this. So um, and a little and a little bit of um, a new hope as well. So the one of the main things I see with business owners. Uh, as a problem to them being as successful as they could be is they think they're the main character in the story and and they're not they're obi-wan or yoda they're the guide so if you make your prospect luke skywalker and see yourself as obi-wan or yoda the person that's been there and done it and is now going to pass on the mantle business becomes a lot easier that goes back to what I was trying to say about the bigger picture, isn't it? You, it, you know, that's why I still keep myself on the phones because I'm humble in my approach to make sure what I do and teach is still 
works rather than spouting from a, a book or a seminar or something I've been to online. You know, I'm still doing the job. Um, that's a really, really cool point. Joe, thanks for sharing that because I love that. That's a really good example. And it hopefully factors into what I do see myself in actually as the Obi-Wan or the Yoda um, in, in that club. But it gives you a perspective, isn't it? The hero, who is the real hero of the story? And the sales story is your customers because they are the ones who pay your bills. Um, that's a that's a really 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 interesting point. Cool. I thought you'd like that. Get Star Wars. So what's your about? Is, is your is your is your Star Wars as well? No. Like, so um, my favorite film is called A Place Beyond the Pines. Um, uh, is that um, Bradley Cooper? Is it Bradley yeah, Cooper? Bradley Cooper, Ryan Gosling, Thunder Yeah. Um, ultimately, it's a film in two parts. The first part is all about the parents and then the second part it shifts forward and the kids have grown up and the consequences of the parents actions on the kids life which will give you a lot of insight into my personal issues but <laughs> but but if we were being a little bit uh a little bit more mainstream i love the rocky series like the underdog story um and mm. I, th- I don't think many people know that the first rocky films a romance film and, mm. and uh, just yeah it's like I'd refuse to marry my wife till she'd watched them all. Throw <laughs> an out there as well. The latest Top Gun. This is off tangent. The latest. I don't know if you've seen it. It's outrageous. Wow. wow. Yeah. It's wow. the first so, time I've gone into the cinema in years and just been like, Yeah, that, same. Actually, that's why cinemas exist. That this is what cinemas are for. Absolutely, absolutely. One absolute. And I'm worried though. I'm worried that the kind of film that it is is on its sort of deathbed because even though it's what he's made over a billion from it what i'm trying to say is this is real-time effects you see the difference the actors know the difference um you can tell tom cruise is in that cockpit you really can where so many companies now rely on that cgi that that you know like the star wars i remember hayden chris in an interview when he saw yoda he was just looking at a pen or something how can you act around that you know it's it's not the same i know you can't make a yoda i'm not saying that but it's like too much reliance on cgi i think that real-time goes back to what we're trying to say all the time is that um realness that you bring to the table in your tone in your in your delivery and that for me sings more than anything than saying like you said we guarantee this we 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 will give you this i i know straight away if that person's genuine or not and that's why the star wars prequels are shit they don't use enough practical effects (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, well, I loved them when I was a kid, obviously, but watching them, re-watching them, it's yeah. not quite the same. However, I'm not saying the sequels are any better. I'm, I would still take the prequels over the sequels any day. Really? But, That's interesting. That's interesting. I Yeah. I waste of story that they chose to make those. Anyway. Well, they just bugged yeah. it up. They didn't They didn't follow through on what they had. so much stories to tell. So much to, to tell than they could have done what they chose to do but anyway that's a whole different yeah that's a whole nother podcast <laughs> so rob how do people get in touch with you yeah so i offer a um obviously a, a very quick and easy hour-long um discovery session where i will just we'll sit down we'll talk about your existing sales strategy and process and if i can give you any tips in there go ahead and take them but if we get to the bottom of that we can see some real progress potential progress in creating a winning sales strategy for you and, and something that we can design and get you increasing your turnover in the in a quite a quick space of time over six months we, we do we do say that we, we aim to sort of double revenue within six months which is more than possible then yeah i've got a session around that 
Um, if, if we don't work together, at least you'll take some really easy tips there and then on that conversation. And again, if any anyone's listening, I do my own podcast as well. And it'd be great to sort of have you on there. We just talk about when sales meets and, and um, your industry. And it's great publicity for everyone. Wicked. What's the best place to find you? LinkedIn, I suppose. Cool. I am dabbling into Spotify as well. I'm not, I'm not as advanced as you are, Joel, on your podcast yet, but I'm sure I can take some tips away from you, um, at least I'm honest. But LinkedIn's predominantly the best cool. the best location from Austin, um, SME Skills Academy, and uh, you'll find me on there. Wicked. Thanks for being an awesome guest. It's been a pleasure, Joel. I knew it would be. I knew it would be.